0: Hello and welcome to the podcast Sport and Life I hope you're well Thank you for hitting on the button Good to have you here for the conversation Teddy Draper here once again on Sport and Life Sports broadcaster in the UK We'll be speaking momentarily to my father Dr Mark Draper, GP and nutritionist About vitamin B12 and magnesium Their importance in our diet What deficiencies might mean and how to correct any deficiencies potentially. But first, a few words to the sponsors. Chief sponsors, Bangalofs of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Check out their beautiful store in the courtyard in Montpellier, here in Cheltenham in the west of England, or go online, look up Serene AV and speak to Jason Briggs and his fine team, whatever you're looking for. Remember, if you're looking to optimize your immunity, we have an association with Cytoplan, food-based supplement company, house not far from here in the west of England, but we can offer a discount. We've been taking those supplements for 20-plus years, under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper. And if you go into cytoplan.co.uk, onto cytoplan.co.uk, at checkout... Discount code Draper10R. My last name D R A P E R, all capital letters. The numerals one zero, and the capital letter R. Also reminding you that we are very pleased to announce Sport and Life has partnered with Herring Shoes, English family-run shoemaking business which Richard Herring began in 1966. They specialise in handmade classic shoes, oxfords and brogues. I've got a fantastic pair of brogues myself. Very comfortable. Very great stylistically as well. Look great. Herring got a fantastic family heritage in England. They do distribute worldwide, though, and have kindly offered listeners of the podcast to you a ten percent discount at Herringshoes.co.uk. Discount code is TED ten T E D ten. And works on all full price shoes over twenty pounds. And also, don't remember, don't forget. Even in the show notes, a link to free mentoring sessions with Anthony Asprey of the Whole Man Academy. If you're feeling stuck or not exactly where you want to be in life, who isn't, hey? But that's uh, that's the link there. But let's get on to the podcast now with my old man, Doctor Mark Draper, talking magnesium in due course. But first, vitamin B twelve. Here he is. <laughs> Okay, welcome back to Sport and Life, Dr. Mark Draper, Dad, talking multivitamins or minerals again. we going to get yep. to magnesium in, in a second, but vitamin B12 first and foremost. How important is, is vitamin B12?
1: Um, it's obviously uh, a, a B vitamin. Uh, it's water-soluble. Um, it's got a lot of important functions, uh, particularly with respect to maturation of of nerves Um, so it's important uh, for nerves to signal properly Um, and it's also important in the making of red blood cells so it it matures red blood cells so they come out uh, smaller and and ready to do the job sort of thing so it's also um, a very important methyl group donor Um, So it's important within the brain uh, to make uh, dopamine and neurotransmitters um, and it's involved in methionine synthesis. Um, It works and its roles overlap with um, folic acid or folates, which are similar. Uh, um, The sources are are very different, however, between B12 and folate. Mm. Um,
0: what, what, how does it manifest itself if you if you don't have enough vitamin B12?
1: B, B12 deficiency, the, the common ways that it would present would be um, tiredness, um, perhaps uh, pins and needles in the, the hands and feet. Um, it may present with uh, an abnormal blood test. Uh, because it matures red cells, it may show on a blood test before, if you like, you become anemic, it may just show uh, that the red cell size or MCV is enlarged. So normally the MCV would be be, often 88 to 92. What MCV is what? the the Mean cell volume, mean mean, mean cell volume. So the MCV of the red cells is is a measure of size. So if somebody's short of iron, then the mcv goes small so if you like the hemoglobin uh is is there's less hemoglobin and the cells are smaller mm. um whereas if the, if the, if you're lacking b12 or folate you get a megaloblastic anemia or the mcv would approx would would move to or be above 100 um you know before the anemia uh there's the MCV rises so, so, so
0: with iron deficiency the volume goes down like yes. with vitamin B12 deficiency the volume goes, goes up, up. So, yeah. so it's actually your red blood cells are too big
1: yeah yeah and so so they haven't matured in mm. a way they coming.
0: It, is, is vitamin B12 derived from cobalt or something
1: is that right it's got yeah it's it's the other name for it would be hydroxycobalamin mm. um and the, 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 there's a, a a coronoid ring surrounding the atom of cobalt. so the cobalt, if you like, uh, gives the b12 its function um, and and it's um, an essential vitamin we can't make it. Um, so uh, it's it comes from uh, animal products so it could be from algae, uh, bacteria can synthesize it um, and uh, sort of, animal products like, you know, meat, milk, uh, eggs, uh, fit fish, uh, to some extent, uh, but green plants really uh, have little or no B12, whereas the green plants are where the folates come from. So if you like the, the two that they're, the B12 and folate, their function within the body overlaps, but they're, their origins are markedly different. So B12 is, is very much a, um, from, from eating animal products. So you can see therefore that uh, there's, there's basically two ways that you can become deficient in B12. The, um, the, the, we, when we sort of eat food, we, the first process is, is we release saliva and then um, in the stomach, uh, intrinsic factor is produced, mm. and that's a protein that uh, helps to latch on to. So it's a cofactor, if you like, that release from the uh, stomach cells, which locks onto the B12 in the food, and then that complex passes through the small bowel into the terminal ileum. So that's at the end of the small bowel where it's absorbed. Mm. Um, so if people don't produce the intrinsic factor, an intrinsic factor production can be affected by certain medications. So some of the acid-lowering uh, drugs like PPIs, uh, proton pump inhibitors such as omeprazole, can influence the quantity of intrinsic factor produced um so what can
0: reduce the amount you can absorb
1: yeah um and uh and obviously if people have uh um, inflammatory bowel disease which can affect the terminal ileum so that would be illnesses like crohn's disease and things mm. like that and to some extent with celiac which is intolerance to gluten you get malabsorption but you see less sort of malabsorption of B12 compared with malabsorption of iron. So iron, mm. if you've got iron deficiency, you always think, well, this person may be celiac because they're not absorbing iron well.
0: How, how difficult is it to get vitamin B12 if you're not eating animal products then, including dairy and, and eggs?
1: It's pr- people would say that, that uh, y- there would be virtually no B12 in, in, in that type of diet. So you, you'd really have to supplement, you know, if you're very strict vegetarian or vegan with no, with, you know, who, who who have no, if you like, uh, uh, animal sources, then you really, all from microbial sources as well, because obviously you can, if you know, some of the yeast derived things would have B12 in it. So there must be a certain amount of b12 in something like marmite but
0: so if you, if you were vegan would you supplement with a bespoke vitamin b12 yes. or would you do a multivitamin or multivitamin wouldn't be enough potentially
1: well i think you'd look at other be you'd look at the other bees you know the the thing a vegan and veg and the vegetarian would often be you know have quite good reserves would be would be the folates you know they 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 should have a high if they if they've having lots of um, fruits and vegetables, they should have high folates. Mm. Now, because um, folates are methyl group donors in the same way as B12 is, you can sort of compensate to some extent if your diet's low in B12 by having high folate. But the problem folate is- folate would what be green leafy Yeah, vegetables? for the green leafy veg. But uh, the problem really is that there are jobs that only B12 does and can't be covered by folate.
0: Is that to do with sort of cellular production? Yeah, yes. And, and, to and over, overlapping
1: metabolic function really. And the nervous system, so, it's important for the nervous system. Yes, so so for instance uh, both f- folic acid, um, folic acid will cause a, a, a megalobastic or large cell anemia. Um, and, um, a deficiency. That yeah, that, yeah, a, de- a deficiency. Um, and B12 uh, is needed for nerve myelination. So, so prolonged uh, deficiency of B12 or folate will, will cause um, irreversible nerve damage. They call it subacute combined degeneration of the cause, which is both sensory and motor nerves don't function well. Yeah.
0: Um, so what so it manifests itself, what is dizziness, pin, things pins,
1: like that? Uh, yes, it can do. It, can, it could be increased pain. Uh, it could be pins and needles. Uh, it could be uh, weakness. You know, so fatiguing easily. Um,
0: G- general tiredness, or is it just muscular? Yeah, tiredness? no. Ti-
1: it, it, it can be, if you like, brain fatigue because obviously B12 and folate are both important in the w- within the brain as well as in the peripheral nervous mm. system. So, for instance, you, if somebody was was suffering uh, some sort of cognitive decline. Um, you know, uh, an elderly person in particular. Then, then you would you would automatically look at B twelve folate. You'd look at iron as well because mm. iron is important for memory and concentration, particularly short term memory. Mm. Um,
0: it's, it's interesting thing about humans as a sort of biological species, isn't it? And obviously, people's diet is is very individual, very personal, and, and very nuanced in terms of people's decisions, but. In that debate over what humans did eat or would eat, the importance of vitamin B twelve suggests that a lot of humans would have, have had some animal products at some point in our in our lineage.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that um, we've 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 obviously um, had it had it available. Really, uh, you know, with that, if you view what happens if you don't have it, you know, it 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 it, it affects your. Strength in a variety of ways, you know, and 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 different people will manifest in different ways, you know. So some people will become um, uh, megaloblastic anemic; they call it pernicious anemia um, if it if it's um, if it's from lack of intrinsic factor. Obviously, B twelve deficiency from dietary causes would be the vegans and vegetarians who would be more susceptible, and it may be just uh, that when uh, people are stressed, and and the stress may be illness or recovery from an operation, uh, or or psychological stress. Then you draw down on your pool of B12. So, mm. so um, you know, and 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 for instance, if your dietary intake of B12 was low during a pregnancy, if you'd had if you, you, you would have built up reserves. So the B12 stored in the liver. Um, so about 80% of the body's store is in the liver. And if you're, or if you start to draw down on that, a bit like a bank balance in a way, then you're, you, you can run for a, quite a long time on the B12 that you've stored up in the liver, um, but you will eventually exhaust it uh, and um, if, for instance, people have a very low B12 and um, they, ha- they need injections to correct it quickly because you're not quite sure, um, unless you are quite clear that they've had a-, a poor intake for some time, you're never sure that if you give oral B12, B12 um, in tablet form, um, you're never quite sure that it will be absorbed. And if the B12 is very low and they're developing neurological symptoms such as pins and needles or weakness, you want to correct that as quickly as you can. So you give injections and you give, um, whereas the average daily intake of, uh, it's put at two or three micrograms a day, um, you give injections if people have proven vitamin B12 deficiency, you give a series of five or six injections intramuscularly uh of five th- five to six so, so thousand units
0: inject in the case of a deficiency but what would you do in the case of of just maintenance if you're trying to maintain if you were
1: maintaining it um and you had a poor dietary intake um you would probably look at a figure of about 10 micrograms something like that if you're a person that's had proven deficiency in the past uh or or, or uh you know, somebody's required uh, B12 injections um, to bring the levels back, then you would look at 50 to 100 micrograms of B12 orally, which will, you know, so that's, if you like, 20 to 40 times what the person needs, theoretically, because you're assuming that they don't absorb the B12 well, or they have a very high requirement, So, so would it, you
0: need more vitamin B12 at certain stages? We talk about folic acid with pregnant women. And, and what about people who are either having manual labor jobs where they're muscularly stressed or training, resistance training to develop muscle strength? Would they, those people yeah. potentially need more vitamin you take,
1: B12? You take, yeah, you take extra B12 because the, B, the B12 uh, is important in methylation. So it's a methyl group donor. So it would be involved in a lot of um, metabolic processes um, to um, you know to facilitate uh, energy systems within the body yeah. um, and,
0: and it, is it analogous to folic acid in that for pregnant women that it, it would be something that they should look at partic- particularly
1: yes i mean obviously the the, 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 the b the, the b12 requirements probably i mean there's lots of different estimates but they say that b b12 um it goes up by requirements go up by at least 50% with pregnancy and lactation so you know that so the the amount you need whereas they might say ah oh, you need two to three mics of b12 um if you're not pregnant you might need four or five yeah if you're if you're pregnant or lactating um and because you've, if, you, if, you, if you've built up your B12, you could get through one pregnancy, but if you had a second pregnancy very close together, you may become B12 deficient in that second pregnancy mm. because I, I, your I, I, liver may carry a few thousand micrograms of B12.
0: So, so what we're saying about the sources of vitamin B12 in the diet, should people who are following a vegan diet, no animal products, should they assume that they're B12 deficient? Should they seek out a yes. doctor's analysis of that? Or should they just take supplementation on their own account? I,
1: I, I think uh, uh, you'd definitely supplement with B12 and probably other B vitamins if you, uh, if, if you were uh, strict vegetarian or vegan you say
0: strict vegetarian. if you were a vegetarian who ate who drunk milk ate cheese would it be possible that you'd get b12 you, you through that you'd
1: probably be okay yeah with that um
0: and pescatarian you said fish isn't a big source of it or not a big like clams maybe or is not a,
1: it, no? i don't think so no i mean i um i'd have to check on What's on some, the fish shell
0: shellfish potentially maybe i
1: don't know I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the fish, the B12 in fish. I know you always think of meat, uh, milk, eggs, yeah. you know, more the, more the, those sort of land animal products really. And vegetarian is um, more
0: of a, a, a spectrum than vegan, which is, is wholly no animal product, but some vegetarians would maybe have eggs potentially. If, like
1: if you had milk, you know, if you were a, lact- a lacto vegetarian and you had milk uh, um, and you had eggs, then you know you 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 probably would get enough b12 hmm. um so, so uh, and again it may be the length of time that you're on that because you know if if you're just missing a little bit of b12 you're going to run on the supplies that you've got in your liver so the longer you're a, a a strict vegetarian or a vegan the more you can run down so you might be you know if you had your B12 level checked, say six months after becoming a, a vegan or vegetarian, the B12 levels might be okay, and you might think, okay, my B12's all right. But if you measured it eight, at 18 months, mm. it could well be very low.
0: So it's stored cellularly for quite it's a period of time.
1: For, yeah, so, so if, if we, for instance, if we give a series of B12 injections for somebody that's proven deficient, we would check the B12 at six months, and it's often adequate. Mm.
0: So for someone who wants to do a vegan week or something, they shouldn't necessarily worry about supplementation of that. No, no,
1: wouldn't matter. No, be- because you can probably carry for at least six months and probably a year mm. if you've had if you've had a good intake and good absorption of B12. Um, I think the other thing is that B12 seems to be very linked to stress of illness or or mental stress. So if people are, are going through a, a prolonged period of stress, it's not just about keeping your B12 within the normal range. Yeah. People would say that you want your B12 to give you an idea. A Deficiency for injections would be, say, a figure of 145. Yeah. Um, adequacy would be 180 plus, but it could be up to 1,000. Um, and most people would say for, if you like, general well-being you want to run your b12 around three fifty four hundred. so you know if you had a blood test and the blood test said well it was normal uh, but it was 182 which would be classified as what normal
0: is, what, what metric is that 182 what
1: um that would be millimoles it, it would be micrograms per liter okay um so so but different labs would have that different be a blood a blood, a blood, a blood that's a blood test a blood, te- blood, blood, blood beat yeah, yeah blood test um so the, the common things that would be measured uh, would be iron, B12, and folate. Obviously, you can measure vitamin D in the blood as well. Mm. Things like selenium and zinc are much harder to measure because zinc is mainly in the tissue. Um,
0: but it, 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 am I right, in vitamin B12, I read that it was involved in synthesis of myelin in the, in the nervous system yes. as well. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it, it's pretty imperative that you, that you have that.
1: That's it's 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 needed for nerve myelination. So if you like that central nervous system, peripheral nervous system. So if you don't if you don't if you don't myelinate the nerves, then the transmission in that nerve becomes faulty. Um, so the longer nerves, those to your hands and your feet, are first affected. So that that's why you get the pins and needles. In your hands and feet. Is that potentially why we sh- call it club sh- and stocking?
0: Because vitamin B12 is used in the nervous system. Is that why situations of stress may expose a vitamin B12 yes. deficiency? Because what the effect of cortisol and adrenaline and things like that on the, yes. the nervous system draws
1: on the beta on the methyl group donors. So it would partly depend upon how your folate is as well. You see. So if and that's if folic it, acid we consume. Folic possible. acid is, if you like, there is another methyl group donor. So. If you're low in B12, you'll compensate for some time with with the folate, but there are jobs that the folate can't do mm. that B12 has to be present for.
0: And that's more apparent when you're under stress, Yes, mental stress, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and physical stress as well. So, that, you know, they say that, uh, if you like, B12 is an adaptive vitamin. So it helps us adapt to stress, whether it's mental or physical. So it helps us recover from... Mm illness and things like that.
0: So if, so, if you are doing a lot of muscle training, yes. muscle contraction, yeah, weightlifting or running or whatever it might be, you, you, you need to look at vitamin B12 in particular. You'd,
1: you'd want to know that your levels were, you know, that you had reserve, if you yeah. like, you know. So, so <laughs> you'd look at blood levels 350, 400. Um,
0: if you're lifting heavy weights, you don't want to get dizzy anyway, do you, or muscle, no. muscle fatigue, which is no, no. potentially no, no. dangerous in the, in the gym and how quickly would it once you had an injection would you would you go you, back to parity
1: you start to see uh relief of symptoms and improvement within about three weeks really okay um
0: so it can take many months to deplete but it can replete in a, a it's quite of
1: weeks. it's quite quick but if people have got neurological signs then uh you, you you not so much pins and needles but if they've got nerve weakness so it's affecting the motor nerves then you might carry on giving B12 injections until there's no further benefit. So, mm. you, you know, you, your, your protocols vary according to what what you think the uh, B12 deficiency has created within the body.
0: And how, how often would you need to eat, if someone's eating a, an omnivore diet, would they be fairly comfortable in vitamin B12 sufficiency? Yes,
1: providing they've got the intrinsic factor. Do you see what I mean? So. So you could have adequate dietary B12.
0: If they don't have Crohn's disease or any issue like that related to the intrinsic factor, is that right?
1: Well, intrinsic factor is part it's partly genetic. So you get families that uh, develop pernicious anemia and so tends, pernicious anemia tends to be age-related. Mm. So it tends to be more an illness of the elderly, if you like, but it can come on in middle age. Um, and it tends to run in families. So. That's where the dietary intake is adequate, uh, but but the intrinsic factor is not produced. So the B12 that you you're taking into your body is not being locked onto yeah. and brought in. Um whereas the dietary lack is is the vegan vegetarian approach, whereby, if you like, you're just eating foods that don't have B12 in it, your absorption uh Maybe you know you might may have normal intrinsic factor, yeah. normal gut absorption, but you'd be B twelve deficient.
0: In those instances, would the injection circumnavigate that so people could restore their levels, or would? Yes, yeah. if
1: you. I mean, if you, however you got, are they, where,
0: are they actually injecting blood into your system? Is that what they're doing? No, they're injecting B twelve. Okay,
1: so it's just uh, hydroxycobalamin. So but it's would, hydroxylated B12, but, well. but
0: that in, in essence it's readily absorbed already. Then when it's injected, very uh,
1: very quickly. Yeah, For, yeah, it's absorbed uh, from the from the muscle that you've injected mm. into into the blood, and then it's transported, and it builds up the liver reserves. Yes. Yeah. So someone with an so, absorption
0: issue would have to get regular I- injections. Yes. But so so if you had
1: if you had proven pernicious anemia with low intrinsic factor, then probably your best outcome i say probably because there are studies now that show if you take sublingual b12 um, so that's that's b12 that's absorbed under the tongue Mm. then you can circumvent the need for injections but you might be taking yeah 100 micrograms of b12. But, but
0: someone who's been vegan for say two years and needs to restore their balance, could they take an injection and once they reach the appropriate level yes. of vitamin b12 they could take a yes. supplement, Yes. Not, whereas someone with absorption issues may have a more complicated picture of whether they're, think, whether they're think an it, omnivore or a, a vegan or vegetarian or whatever.
1: I think I think the the policy uh, would be determined by how quickly you can check. For instance, um, there. I read papers that, that uh, showed that if the B12 deficiency wasn't severe mm. and you gave 50 to 100 micrograms for a month and then rechecked the levels, the level should double. So let's say for sake of argument, you had uh, a B12 level of 160, which is intermediate, if you like. So you, below 145, most people would say, don't delay, give injections and then work out uh, with time if the person can absorb it. Because if you give a series of injections, you've corrected the B12 deficiency immediately. Mm. Um, And then if you then, after the B12 injections, recommend that they take 50 to 100 micrograms of B12, then the majority of people will absorb sufficient B12 because the, the intrinsic factors production doesn't seem to be always absolutely on or off you know so if you're producing just a lesser amount of intrinsic factor a higher amount of b12 you'll absorb enough yeah so so you but if you if you're producing no intrinsic factor um you'd have to be careful you'd have to have it monitored mm. uh, if you were taking but as I say, there are now, now sublingual B12. How
0: common is it from your practice? People not having.
1: I think the majo- I think the absorb- majo- I think the majority would be a, a combination, really, uh, you know, of of low dietary intake and poor absorption, yeah. and maybe a high requirement. That's why I say it's not always straightforward. Obviously, when you take a dietary history, it's clear of people who are strict vegetarians and vegans. Then you say your B12 deficiency is most likely to be down to poor dietary intake. Therefore, a supplement of B12 is very likely to be effective. Mm. Um, If you've got somebody with a poor diet, you know, an elderly person who's just not eating properly, um, their B12 intake may be, you know, in theory sufficient, but their their blood levels are low because they've not got good levels of intrinsic factor, maybe poor absorption. Um, but if, but as I say, the majority of people, in my experience, were there were there, there have been studies where people are, uh, are given fifty to a hundred micrograms of B12 for a month, and let's say your B12 level was one sixty, it should double with that regime. So that's called a positive oral trial, um, and if you there if you're then you've then moved out of danger. Yeah. So if you've gone from borderline deficiency to being replete, if you keep up that oral dose, your level should should continue to build and reach a plateau. Yeah. And that plateau, if it was 350, 450, um, and you stopped taking the B12 for six months, you'd probably run on your reserves.
0: Is there a danger of overdosing, toxicity of too much? There's no, B12? There's,
1: there's no toxicity recorded for 50 to 100 microgram regimes. Because it's water soluble, um, it just gets, uh, passed out in the urine so you know any surplus B12 that your body doesn't require to build up its reserves yeah. you just get rid of.
0: What, what about um, let's move on to, to, to try and include magnesium in this and I, uh, interesting that magnesium which I guess is just a, a smaller version of the stuff we used to burn in chemistry and illuminate the room with with bright light but muscle and nerve function so it's analogous in a, in a, in a way to vitamin B12 but very different sources. Yeah, I mean, or complementary. I don't know whether it's
1: well. It, it it's it, it the, the quantities are totally different. So uh, magnesium is uh, um, is not really considered to be a trace element um, because it it's it comes in food sources that are rich in calcium. So in nature, it tends to be in most things. Yeah. So so calcium is particularly you know high in green leafy vegetables, so then you'd have your folates. Um, Mm. But it's also, calcium is also present in meats. Uh, It's obviously present in milks, you know. So calcium and magnesium in nature tend to come together.
0: And the bones aspect connected to calcium is is why it's a deficiency of magnesium connected with osteoporosis. Yes,
1: yeah. So calcium and magnesium are, are very important for the skeleton. Uh, also, magnesium is very important for nerve, nerve health, tra- mm. nerve transmission. So, magne- magnesium deficiency creates muscle weakness. Okay, um, where, it's,
0: where we can liken it to vitamin B twelve in the previous conversation. In that sense,
1: yeah. So, and and that's often, you know, when we when we sort of try to understand, uh, you know, what a thing does in the body, we often look for what what we find. When things are clearly deficient, you know. So mm. uh, magnesium deficiency is characterized by progressive muscle weakness, failure to thrive, neuromuscular dysfunction, um, and and the effects upon the heart. So people get fast heart rate. Um, so it's linked to heart disease, is it? It linked. Yes. So um, uh, so yes, a low a low level of dietary intake. Um, people think could be linked to the risk, a risk of cardiovascular disease. Yeah, and I, think, um, I heard
0: it linked to high blood pressure and magnesium deficiency. Is that?
1: Yeah, I think I think the the way I've simpli- simplistically probably view magnesium is that calcium um, is involved in making connections, and magnesium is involved in opposing it. So. Within the muscle, mm. the calcium ratchet system for to give um, muscles their, their their contraction, if you like, relies relies on the calcium to make the connection, but it relies on magnesium to break that connection so the ratchet can move. Mm. So it's a it's a sort of dynamic process.
0: Almost like a negative positive kind of. Range.
1: Yeah, almost or, almost sort of like calcium. Gives the ratchet chance to lock on. Magnesium gives it chance to release and then move again. Yeah. So that's how the muscle progressively tightens. Um, it's it's also magnesium is very important for mitochondria. So it's involved in ATP, therefore energy production.
0: That, that's the fast twitch energy, adenosine yeah. triphosphate, which is. Sort yeah. Of- Anything up to, well, to really fit people, 30 seconds yes. output of yes. sprinting or, or weightlifting.
1: Yeah, so ATP is, is uh, enzyme systems in the mitochondria. It's very interesting that um, there was uh, research done in um, probably, I'm trying to think back, it would probably have been the 1980s, going into the 90s, um, on people with... Um, Uh, chronic fatigue and they they, they did tests on red cell magnesium Mm. and they found that the red cell magnesium was low in these people and people advocated therefore that it may be magnesium deficiency that was contributing but then I think after people tried magnesium injections and found that it didn't restore the energy systems People realised it was effect of, not cause of. Mm. What I mean by that is the magnesium is found in close proximity with mitochondria, and uh, so the red cell magnesium was low because of a reduction in mitochondria. So I, I read a, a why page why, the,
0: why the mitochondria reduced
1: because of the process of of uh, uh, the, the, the if you like the illness process. Oh, okay depleted mitochondria. So, I read a paper in, I think it was Nature, where they uh, biopsied the muscle of people with chronic fatigue, and they found a 40 to 60% reduction in mitochondria. Yeah. Um, And so, if you reduce your mitochondria by that, then your energy production within the muscle will be less. So, you'll have muscle weakness and also easy fatigue. Um, So, I think most people then um, initially therefore when the studies were saying the red cell magnesium is low people thought well maybe this is magnesium deficiency give magnesium injections Uh, but the magnesium injections uh, the majority of people i saw who'd had them it made no difference Mm. and then people started to say ah well that's because the magnesium is in close association with the mitochondria. If you reduce the number of mitochondria in the cell, you're going to reduce the intracellular magnesium. So you can't improve the mitochondria through magnesium. So you give magnesium injections, you correct, you, you, you've corrected any deficiency, but deficiency wasn't the problem. No. The, the magnesium was low in, in, in the cell because the mitochondria had been reduced in number.
0: I I, I wrote it down that it was linked to type 2 diabetes as well and magnesium deficiencies. Is is that correct or something you've heard or is is that something that I've not read from an
1: unreliable source? Um, Well, uh, I think it may be that 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 cause may be to do with um, how um, low levels of magnesium induced by starvation Mm malabsorption acute pancreatitis alcoholism
0: to pancreatitis maybe
1: or or p- prolonged diarrhea and vomiting yeah. is also associated with hypocalcemia but but yeah so acute p- people who have chronic pen- pancreatitis are more likely to develop diabetes they're not so producing it may, ins- insulin as well is yeah, that right? yeah 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 so it may be a a, a primary uh, Pancreatic dysfunction.
0: So, so, what's interesting here, when we talked about vitamin B twelve and the sources being animal products in terms of dietary, it's very different with magnesium, isn't it? It's yeah, it's plant.
1: But it's meats as well. You know, it's oh, okay. it's uh, it's like calcium and magnesium is the is is the skeletal uh, necessity for animals and plants.
0: Yeah. So, so I'd written down dark green vegetables, yes. seeds. Whole greens, and also what always comes online is fortified cereal. I don't know—is fortified cereal breakfast cereal is that a good source of vitamin B twelve and and magnesium?
1: Fortified cereals can be uh, uh, fortified often with iron, folic acid, and B vitamins. Yeah, I mean, there's some studies that have suggested that uh, a significant proportion of children um, are getting most of their iron from fortified breakfast cereals. Yeah. Um and obviously and, and that's actually,
0: but it's been absorbed properly it's the same analogous to getting it from a, a sort of whole food from the ground or yes, from an animal
1: yeah so yeah.
0: But, but it's interesting pitch so you're saying you can get it from meat, so when we looked at vitamin b twelve we thought you couldn't get that if you're a vegan, if you're a carnivore, would you be likely to deplete in magnesium, or would you be getting enough if you're eating a primarily meat product no you i think diet? I think
1: if you had a I think think you would would get enough calcium and magnesium if if you were eating predominantly a carnivorous diet, do you know what I mean? If you look at the the animal carnivores, they get enough Hmm. calcium and magnesium. But what would be the concerns Um,
0: on a a carnivore diet? Would it be lack of fibre, lack of intestinal health? Yes,
1: it would be be lack of, of prebiotic sugars uh, to feed the beneficial bowel bacteria and things like that, really. So it's, yeah. it's
0: interesting, isn't it, how people get very tribal about the diets, and we're very tribal people, broadly speaking, but when you look at dietary food, albeit with good soil, which we have talked about, you may need to supplement regardless of what your intake is, but whole foods from a variety of foods is the, is yeah. the key, and leafy vegetables being significant, do you think, in your opinion, in terms of yeah. micronutrients? Yeah,
1: yeah, and 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 also... You know, pulse, pulses and beans, nuts and seeds. Mm. Um, Legumes or chickpeas, things like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, th- the root vegetables, uh, you know, things like sweet potato for the prebiotic sugars, uh, green leafy vegetables for the, you know, particularly for the sort of calcium, magnesium, um, uh, folates. Um.
0: It's a, it's a broad, broad point on this. It's interesting because you've obviously we've joked about advocate for selenium for a long time but it's interesting how these micronutrients almost have a, a fashion don't they it's a very human thing but it feels like magnesium has been very popular of late do you think it's important to when we hear about these things with articles in the press just to consider the holistic view and to, to not neglect zinc or, or selenium or yeah. vitamin d3 to, to think of it in a rounded way, because it it can be quite um, faddish in a sense, can't it? Yes. Look at the media and what's in vogue at the moment in terms of the, the particular vitamin or mineral to talk about.
1: I, I I mean most 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 studies that look at magnesium say say the majority of people have adequate magnesium in their diet, similar to in a way most people have adequate intakes of calcium. Yeah. So for calcium, it's more about ability. To absorb it with your vitamin D status, so most people, if you like, get short of calcium in the body, is because of vitamin D deficiency, not because of calcium deficiency so in their getting, diet. They're not
0: getting enough sunlight, so they could be drinking pints of milk, but not being able to. Yeah, but the,
1: but the the milk the milk calcium is not as as beneficial as as food as food calcium. Okay. So so if you like. So that's a myth, is it? The, yeah, because yeah. if you look at the the countries that don't have dairy as their staple they have very low rates of osteoporosis so so, um, soluble calcium in milk is not necessarily a protection uh, against calcium deficiency where you know so if you look at diets that have high intakes of fruits and vegetables plenty of sunlight they don't get osteoporosis. And are
0: they complementary sources for calcium? You said they work together in muscular contraction. Would calcium and magnesium be found together in... In nature. Yeah.
1: That's it. That's it. So, so you know, there are very few diets. Probably the, the only group of people that are quite clearly identifiable is little old women in nursing homes with poor dentition are fed food that they can't eat.
0: Mm. Oh, poor teeth, basically. You say, yeah, yeah.
1: So, so that is associated with lack of intake of the vegetables that are provided, because mm. if you don't cook your vegetable to the point of it being soft, you can't eat it. Yeah. So if you, if you, if you like, are cooking for yourself at home, you will cook your vegetables until you can masticate them. Yeah. And if you can't masticate, you don't have teeth to chew. So, so if you don't have teeth, so that's been a strong correlation. So, so people with poor dentition who are having food provided for them, and this modern idea that you, you know, you you blast a bit of steam on a broccoli and then it's cooked, the the old person that looks at that broccoli, they can't eat it. No. So you might be providing it on a plate, but but, but they can't eat it. But if
0: you boil it too deep, do you lose the magnesium and the calcium? No, you keep all of those things. Oh, you do? So you you can boil vegetables without losing... You could steam
1: steam it for as long as you like.
0: Because it's an old sort of wife's tale that you... You would the, the, lose the vitamins are all left in the pan afterwards if you boil vegetables, but they are actually retained in the in the structure yeah they're itself. in the
1: structure they're in the structure of it yeah so you shouldn't worry so about you up. make you so sh- you make it you know yeah. with 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 if you like prolonged cooking you may destroy your vitamin C another heat labile but you're not going to destroy destroy your mm. calcium you or magnesium get, and you can get your vitamin that's, C that's, you, that's, get,
0: you can get your vitamin C from an orange or an apple or fruit or whatever yeah yeah
1: so yeah, so, you, so you can get that in other ways yeah yeah.
0: Interesting. So, do you, so magnesium, not one to worry about, but the vitamin B twelve. The, the, is the, more the, the
1: uses of magnesium. I mean, just, if, just, if you are yeah. looking at a quantity of magnesium to take to rule out deficiency, from the studies that I've read, you might take sixty milligrams of, of magnesium, something like that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. So I
0: mean, other, other vitamins are available. But we're obviously.
1: So you'd look at, for instance, that if if we put estimated average requirement of a fifty-year-old of magnesium, it would be about two hundred and fifty milligrams yeah. per day. So that would be a, a dietary reference value. If you took forty to sixty milligrams of magnesium, you wouldn't be short of magnesium. Yeah. You wouldn't be short of calcium, but but you know, you'd you'd have plenty of calcium, most studies show. Yeah. Um And because calcium comes with magnesium, uh, if you're replete for calcium, you're likely to be replete for magnesium. I suppose the other thing is whether or not magnesium is used therapeutically. So magnesium was used intravenously to to stop fitting. I'm talking a long time ago, before drugs were used. So magnesium induces relaxation, and therefore you get people who use magnesium Mm. uh to prevent migraine and things like that so is it because of muscular relaxation because it because i think it relaxes the um so if you like the pathogenesis of migraine would be certain factors triggering the contraction of blood vessels mm. and if you take magnesium then the blood vessel doesn't react in that way It, 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 it the muscles interesting in the in the blood vessel are more relaxed therefore magnesium but, may help prevent headaches yeah um and, um,
0: but broadly speaking, for people, you mentioned older people there. If you're increasingly sedentary, immobile, and not wanting to put on weight, so your caloric intake goes down, should people broadly be more concerned about micronutrients in that instance? If you're not consuming as many calories by association, are you more likely to be deplete?
1: Um, to, to some extent but but the, the yeah,
0: because that's a broad argument for supplementation that i've heard yeah we, we all eat despite having an obesity problem we all eat less calories than yes. our more active forebears would be even going back a hundred years ago when people were employed in more physical work. yes
1: yeah no I, I, think you're, I think I think you're right in that way um, so if, if we take it that for instance they say hunter gatherers um, uh, calorie intake would have been 3,500 yeah some people have said you know uh, uh, um, as much as 5,000 if we if were living in cold a cold climate mm. um, and post post-war yeah. diets uh, would have been built upon you know rationing was built upon 2,500 calories um, the modern uh, way of living that people require 16 to 1,800 calories and this is an adult man this is adult man. Um, and um, so when people say, you know, people are getting fatter because they're eating more, they're not eating more, they're eating less, but they're mismatching more. Yeah. So they're, so they're having ex- a higher... excessive intake. They have a higher intake than they need because their energy requirements have gone down. So if you, for instance, you live in a centrally heated home, you drive to, to uh, work in your car, these are all changes that have happened in the last 50 or 60 years. Mm you know a lot of people used to cycle to work used to live in houses without central heating yeah so
0: and also was it in 1900 in america the predominance of people were employed in agriculture physically out in the fields whereas 20 percent of people in 1900 two, it's now 2% and people yeah. have been in factories yeah. you know on a on a on a production might have line been of, s- of moving carrying yeah. yes
1: yeah so so yeah definitely f- physical activity in, impacts on, on that and it'd be less so cal- that would be an our calories
0: less minerals and vitamins yeah
1: so if, if you like the squeeze could be um, that we were designed to run on a higher uh, energy input and the food that we're now eating particularly if it's processed mm. is less micronutrient dense so if you like you've got that double squeeze you know we we're eating less because we require less and the food we're eating is less micronutrient dense so it's processed. So it's to
0: get another positive to exercise so, Because it means that your caloric intake could go up and stay in in a caloric balance, energy balance. So So for a lot of
1: things you could say, if you up your energy requirements from 1,800 to 3,000, um, you double a lot of of your Mm. intakes. There'd be quite a lot of nutrients that you would automatically meet your requirements for, unless that extra exercise was depleting. Yeah. You know, too stre- too stressful. Yeah. You know, where, whereby you would you would actually need more,
0: causing sort of extreme muscle fatigue. So you need more vitamin B12 and things like. They say that there.
1: they say, for instance, with with a lot of deficiencies, that if, if you've got a borderline deficiency and you're not stressed, you can you, you can just tick over. But when you add stress to a borderline deficiency, your utilization becomes less efficient, and your requirement becomes more. Hmm. So the borderline deficiency is exposed by yeah. stress of an illness or whatever and causes everything to cascade downwards. Mm.
0: Um, well, physical stress can be exposed to exposure, lack of fitness as well, potentially at different times. Dad, been good to catch up. I think you just missed the second half of, of Wales getting battered by Ireland. So oh, wasn't Too bad in the Six Nations Rugby yeah. Union. Uh, but thanks for joining me. We'll try and do one. We'll do one maybe in March and another update we'll get another vitamin or a mineral. Yeah, no, again. I think it's
1: a good, good good to run through the series. It also helps my revision. <laughs> good stuff. Cheers, Dad. I do hope that was a useful conversation
0: and indeed these series of conversations. Check out the one on vitamin D three. My dad and I had a couple, last month, January 2023 as well, if you're interested in that, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere at this time of year, where although it's getting lighter in the daytime, not quite bright enough to fuel our natural stores of vitamin D3. But yeah, interesting that stuff. And I think it's a very political topic, isn't it, sometimes? A sensitive personal topic as well, nutrition. What is the, the silver bullet of nutrition? What is the, the best diet, et cetera. But I think very pertinent to just realize with micronutrients, they are things that we need and are we getting them? Are we getting them anyway, even if we eat a wholesome, omnivore diet because of the, the soil quality, which we've talked about, et cetera, in, in certain parts of the world? But it's a conversation I think around vitamin B12 is important to have, particularly for, for young people who are maybe embarking for very uh, positive reasons from their part for, for vegan diets or vegetarian diets, but maybe having to sort of just think about what's beneath that surface of layer of food and what's in it and, and how to correct any deficiencies. So hopefully that's useful for you vitamin b12 and and magnesium checked off there please get in touch hello at drapermedia.co.uk if you have any thoughts want to add to the conversation as well or rate the podcast write comments underneath there on itunes spotify wherever you are listening appreciate you being here appreciate the sponsors bang Olufsen of cheltenham and serene av jason and his team thank you check out their store in the montpellier courtyard in cheltenham and also online through serene av and remember, to uh, if you're looking to optimize your immunity, maybe think about vitamin B12 supplements, whatever it might be, head to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, food-based supplements dissolved, absorbed as food would be, and you can uh, at checkout get 30% off your first purchase, 10% ongoing with the code DRAPER10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, numerals 1-0 and the capital letter remember Sport and Life's partnership with Herring Shoes as well brilliant fantastic shoes my father-in-law has had a couple of pairs for more than 30 years now says they're the best shoes he's ever owned you can get 10% off at herringshoes.co.uk thank you to Chris and his team for that discount code is TED10 One Zero, and it works on all full price shoes over £20 remember the free mentoring session with Anthony Asprey and on the subject of, that's in the show notes, by the way, the link to the Anthony Asprey conversations through the Whole Man Academy mentoring sessions for free there. But if the conversation with my dad has maybe it made you interested about speaking to your parents and grandparents, I have had a long chat with my dad about his youth growing up and his life story in in Wales, going to school in Harrogate in Yorkshire then, and then his path through zoology to medicine and anesthesiology to general practitioner doctor these now and many different routes along the way very interesting story so if you're thinking about your parents life stories if it prompts the idea of a conversation with them then maybe check out atticboxaudio.co.uk it's where i sit down with members of the public and run through aspects of their life and just for document it for future generations for their loved ones anyway thank you for listening to the podcast if you could rate it on itunes or spotify if you like it or just tell a a friend i'd appreciate it thank you very much and goodbye for now